Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Well, you saw the numbers, 46 million. 46 million. Now, I would be surprised if anyone in here knew exactly what that number represents, but it represents some of you who are here in this room. 46 million is roughly the number of people in the northeastern part of the United States, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, that do not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 46 million. Right here. Right in our own backyard. 46 million. There's roughly 50 million people in our region. And if you do the math, it says 8%, which is a high percentage for the Northeast, have a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 46 million. Here's another number for you. 6,440,000 people in just the Philadelphia region alone do not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 6 million 440,000. In the Philly metro area, which includes parts of New Jersey and Delaware and Pennsylvania, there are 7 million people, almost 2 million alone in Philadelphia proper, stretching out to all of our counties. We are in this number. This is our backyard. But let's come a little bit closer. 184,000. Can anybody guess? What group of people this represents? 184,000 are the number of people who are right now within 10 miles of where you and I are sitting and standing who don't believe in Jesus. Within 10 miles, there's 184,000 people who need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's hundreds of thousands of people in Chester County, in Berks County, and in Montgomery County who don't know Jesus. The stats are kind of crazy. And they're, they're, they're overwhelming. And when you start looking at these numbers, you say, what, what, what difference can I make? What, what can I do? I mean, that's a ton of people. And there's no one church that's going to reach all these people. There's no kind of one strategy that's going to go after them. Yet the Bible says that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. And when you become a follower of Jesus, you become a fisher of men. Your job then is to seek and to save the lost. It's what you've been called to do. But how do we tackle all of these numbers? It's extremely overwhelming. I'll tell you right now, you can't do it in your own power and you can't do it by yourself. But if we boil it down to just one specific number, it becomes incredibly doable by the power of God and with the brotherhood, with the church, with a team. And that number is one. You see, how do we reach 46 million people in the Northeast? 
How do we reach 6,440,000 people in the Philadelphia area? How do we reach 184,000 people within just 10 miles of where we are? It starts with one. It starts with one. One person that the Holy Spirit leads you to. One relationship. One name that you take before God. One person that you bless and you love and you invest in. And one person that you invite to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. One person that you invite to come to a church service. One person that you invite to a Christmas Eve time. One person that you invite into your home or to your group. One person who then realizes their need for a savior and they accept the Lord Jesus Christ and then the the 64 million number just gets a little bit smaller it starts with one 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 is doable but tonight we want to have a conversation that starts with this point right here never underestimate the importance of one And we as a church and we as individuals nationwide and worldwide can often be guilty of overlooking the importance of one. Last week we started a discussion and it's just something we're going to talk about from now until Thanksgiving. And it's simply this, who's your one? Who's the one person that you are asking the Holy Spirit to lay onto your heart and mind? Who's the one person that, that... you will pray for it on a regular basis. Who is the one person who, above all others, you would love to see come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, stand and get baptized and go public, become a part of the church and have their eternity changed forever? Who is that one? And I've asked you guys as a church to be praying this week that God would show you clearly your one. And now, don't get me wrong, it doesn't have to stop with one. It doesn't have to stay the same one. But please always be thinking of at least one who you could be instrumental in changing their eternity. A friend, a neighbor, a family member, a coworker, a teammate, a classmate, a stranger that you didn't know until yesterday, someone you're sitting next to, even at a church service. Who's your one? Now tonight, some of you in here are having trouble finding your one and, and you're wrestling with that. I want you to continue to wrestle and beg the Lord to show you clearly your reaction to this question. Some of you here are very clear and you've been praying for one name or others on a regular basis and you've been faithfully investing in it. Maybe it's a family member who you've known your whole life or just seems so hard to the gospel. Maybe it's a, it's a, a, a co-worker where you're having conversations all the time and they're just not quite there yet. Maybe it's a friend of yours that you just heard is in the hospital and you hope, you hope that it's not too late to go and share with them the good news of the gospel before they step into eternity. Some of you are here, and you are somebody's one. You're here tonight, and you don't know for sure if you're following Jesus. You're not totally into whatever this church thing is or whether or not you believe the Bible. And if that's your case tonight, don't feel awkward. I just want to know, it's such a blessing to have you here tonight. Somebody cares deeply about you and has been praying, uh, praying for you by name. That is special. And that's the kind of love that we want to give to everyone that comes to church, everyone that we get to build relationships with. 
Now tonight, as we think about this theme of don't underestimate the importance of one, I want to share with you a series of stories, and then we're going to jump into the Word of God. And these stories are all connected to some names that you may have heard of. As a matter of fact, this first name is pretty famous. You probably know Billy Graham. Billy Graham is, is the, the president's pastor. Billy Graham has spoken to hundreds of millions of people all around the world giving the gospel. And millions and millions of people have responded to the gospel through the ministry and life of Billy Graham. His foundation now exists and is running charitable organizations that go all around the world and go into disaster zones just in the name of Jesus. Billy Graham has led tons of people into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. But the name you might not know would be the name Mordecai Ham. You see, Mordecai Ham is the person who led Billy Graham to a relationship with Jesus. Mordecai Ham was a traveling evangelist and he would go around doing something similar to what Billy Graham ended up doing. And Billy Graham ended up attending one of Mordecai Ham's services and went and talked to him after the service. And he's who uh, he, he's who caused him to respond to the gospel. He's the guy that gave the message and the invitation that Billy Graham said, I'm the guy that needs Jesus. I'm the sinner that needs to be saved by grace. I'm the one that needs a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be guaranteed in that moment, in that revival meeting, when Mordecai Ham leads Billy Graham to the Lord, he had no idea the importance of that one. But that one made an impact in the world. We don't know who led Diedrich Bonhoeffer to the Lord. Because of the life and, and story of Diedrich Bonhoeffer is overshadowed by World War II. You see, Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany when Hitler came to power. And while many people stood silent and didn't protest against the negative message, the deadly message that Hitler was giving on a regular basis. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor in Germany, stood strong, stood up against the message of the Nazis. And he says, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. And Diedrich Bonhoeffer led a resistance to save the lives and souls of people in Germany, of Jews that were fleeing. He ultimately gave his life and died just a few short days before Hitler was killed. Do you think that person that we don't know, who took the time to share with Diedrich the good news of the gospel about a personal relationship could possibly have thought that he would be the leader of a resistance that stood up to the greatest evil of his day and that he would give his life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for that cause. Mr. Kimball is a Sunday school teacher. He was a Sunday school teacher that cared about the kids and young adults that came into his class and he would open the Bible and teach people how to read it and help them to understand it. And Mr. Kimball had a special spot in his heart for a young Dwight L. Moody. But Dwight didn't come to Sunday school very much, if at all. And Mr. Kimball decided that Dwight was the one, was his one. And after a season of prayer, he said that he was uh, determined to go share with Dwight L. Moody the gospel. And so he went to the shoe store where Dwight L. Moody worked and he didn't find him inside, but he went around back to the parking lot and 
Dwight was outside in the parking lot and Mr. Kimball came up to him and by his own testimony, he said he stumbled through the gospel presentation and he didn't think it was very smooth and he didn't think it was very powerful and he didn't think it made a lot of sense. But as he presented uh, the news about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Dwight L. Moody's heart went from hard to soft and in that parking lot, he kneeled down with Mr. Kimball and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal savior and became adopted into the family family of God. In that parking lot, he went from someone who was bound for an eternity to hell to someone who was bound for an eternity in heaven. And Dwight L. Moody went to speak before over 25 million people presenting the gospel all across America and around the world. One of the greatest religious leaders we have had in our modern time, Mr. Kimball, could he have known? Could he have known that taking that special effort and going on that special trip to have that special conversation with someone who he thought was just one other kid that should have been in Sunday school would end up being such a powerful, powerful tool used by God. Thomas McPeters is just a regular guy. He's a friend. And he was friends with C.I. Schofield. C.I. Schofield was a lawyer. Everybody goes, boo. Sorry, lawyers. And C.I. Schofield, life was falling apart. He had a fancy office and he worked for a fancy firm. He was making all kinds of money, but he was drinking constantly. His marriage was poor at best. His relationship with his kids was awful. And he and his friend were hanging out in Schofield's office like Thomas often did, just shooting the breeze, talking about life. And Thomas was getting ready to leave the office one day. And as the story goes, he grabs the handle of the door to leave Schofield's office and and he freezes. And Schofield looks at him and says, you're you're right. And he he lets go of the doorknob and he turns around to his friend CI and he goes, I'm nervous to talk to you about something. And Mr. Schofield says, man, we've been friends for a long time. I've never known you to be nervous. And Thomas sat down and said, I want to ask you, friend to friend, why aren't you a Christian? Why haven't you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior? And C.I. Schofield kind of smuttered around and gave him some smart answer and said something like, doesn't the Bible said that drunkards can't go to heaven? And Thomas said, no, really. Why haven't you accepted Lord Jesus Christ as your savior? He's been praying for him. He was building a relationship with him and he got to the point where he had to invite him to Christ. 20 minutes later, C.I. Schofield knelt down in his office with his friend Thomas and he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as personal savior. C.I. Schofield is the one who gave us the first study Bible that cross-referenced all kinds of connected passages in scripture and just contributed greatly to the spiritual well-being of all the Christians to follow. Did Thomas know that one day his friend, his drunkard lawyer friend, would become the writer of the Schofield Bible? Maybe... Susan Wesley could be somebody that you relate to. You see, Susan Wesley didn't do anything incredible. She's not known for anything 
kind of outstanding. She didn't start a business or make an invention or sow the first flag of the United States. Susan Wesley just raised her kids. And her kids, Charles and John Wesley, both at a young age, say the reason that they came to Christ was through the testimony of their single mom, who not only raised them, but raised their brothers and sisters. And all along the way, she gave them the good news of the gospel and the importance of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they went on to start something called the Methodist Church, a very powerful religious movement in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What if you were the one that led John Newton to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus, someone who went into the slave trade and stopped uh, because of his relationship with Jesus Christ and then wrote a song that was, that's titled Amazing Grace. How can it be that I, a wretch like me, would be saved? Maybe the one who led George Mueller to the Lord would have no idea that he would fund five orphanages without ever having one fundraising conversation that he would care for over 10,000 orphans and educate 120,000 children. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, could the one of Fanny Crosby know that she would be the most prolific songwriter of our generation, writing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs, many that we still sing today, even though she didn't have sight, but because she had faith, and she didn't come to the Lord Jesus Christ until she was in her 30s. Did the one who led Catherine Booth know that this would be the lady who co-founded the Salvation Army that exists in every city in the United States of America and in every country just simply fighting poverty in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or could the guy that took over for the pastor that couldn't show up in a snowstorm know that the, the other kid who ducked in because of the snow would become the greatest preacher that America has ever known? when he that day presented the gospel to Charles Spurgeon. Today, I want to encourage you with this thought. Don't ever underestimate the power of one. And when you pray for and invest in and invite someone to the Lord Jesus Christ, you never know what they will in turn do for the kingdom of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter one. We want to dive into the word today. And we want to use this passage. It's a passage that we began looking at yesterday. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all mirror stories of the life of Jesus. They take us from the birth, the life, the teaching, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. They tell it to us four times because it's just that important. And last week, we looked at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And we looked at it from two parts of the Gospels, Matthew and Luke. And today, we want to start in John. And we want to see this story. Now, Jesus, he was born and he lived. His dad was a carpenter. He took up the carpenter trade. Joseph, he, uh, he had his mom, Mary, and his brother, James. And he, he, he grew up and we get told his story of growing in some of the other gospels. But somewhere in his late 20s and early 30s, Jesus started his teaching ministry. And he left the career of being a carpenter, and he started to travel around uh, talking and giving the message of God. The one that said that I am Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, sent by God, the fulfiller of prophecies and the doer of miracles. He was baptized by a man named John the Baptist. And one of the disciples, John, another John, who Jesus dearly loved, looked back on his story, and he gives us the book of John. 
And he starts in John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And he's talking all about Jesus who was present from eternity past and will be present from eternity future. And he starts off right into the story of Jesus's ministry. And if we jump down to verse 35 in John chapter one, the next day, Again, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by. And John said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. What you are witnessing in this verse is the first two salvations in the book of John. The first two people that said, I am going to follow Jesus. The first two converts that went from darkness into light. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. In 38, and Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him for that day for about the 10th hour. And one of the two who heard John the Baptist speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. You see, Andrew was one of the first people that decided to follow Jesus. And within 24 hours of becoming a follower of Jesus, he does the thing that Jesus says he wants every disciple to do, and he goes and finds his one. He goes to someone he loved. He goes to someone he cared about, and he went to his brother Simon, who we know as Peter, and he said, Simon, we found him. We found the Son of God. You need to come, and Peter came. Who's your one? Who's someone that you love and that you care about and that you're ready to go after because you have found the Messiah and you can't keep it to yourself? Because you are not going to underestimate the importance of one. And Peter, yeah, this is Peter. This is Peter who's preaching messages in the book of Acts. And thousands of people are coming to Christ. This is Peter who who God uses to build the church. This is that Peter, Andrew. Could he have known that when he invited his one to Christ, that God would use him so powerfully and transform him? Now today, we want to look at a few more verses And we want to start in verse 43. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip. And he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. So they all grew up in the same city. And Philip, verse 45, found Nathanael. And Philip said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Everybody in the Old Testament. They wrote of Jesus the Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's kind of like when I say, hey, we're a branch life in Pottstown. And some snarky, snobby person from another town goes, can anything good come out of Pottstown? And I say, yeah, it can. Yeah, it can. 
Come and see. Come and see what God can do in a place called Pottstown. Come and see what God can do and how he can transform and change lives. Come and see the power that God has in our town, in our, commi- in our community. And I want to tell you something right here, right now. God is on the move in Pottstown. God is doing something incredible in this town and this time and this place. And it's bigger than one small church plant. It's an entire community that's beginning to hear the voice of Jesus. And I believe that God is gathering an army to be a blessing so that we can see revival and revitalization and victory in our town. And in the entire Northeast, in the entire Philadelphia region, in the entire United States and throughout the entire world. That's what we're a part of. Can anything good come out of Pottstown? Nathan says, Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Galilee? Philip said to him, come and see, verse 47. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Now Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. You have believed. You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. If we can jump all the way back in the presentation to the reference of John chapter one. If you have in your hand a card, I'd like you to grab this. This was on your seat. I want you to wave it to me. We want to we do our best this year to concentrate on this theme of who's your one. So we're asking every single one of you to be involved in regular prayer in the month of November, praying every day that God would use everyone who's connected to Branch Life to reach one person for Lord Jesus Christ in the next year. This bookmark can be a tool that you use to help you commit that to the Lord for yourself and for the church. There's also a small Bible reading plan. I encourage you to keep this in your phone, in your Bible, put it up on your refrigerator, on your mirror, and use this as a regular basis uh, to, to do what God is asking us and what God has shown us in this passage. If you look at the verse 43, after Jesus decided to go to Galilee, he said he found Philip and he said to him, follow me. If you were with us last week, you know that we spent some time on this phrase, follow me. Jesus used it to call all of his disciples. We use all kinds of terms for the word salvation. We talk about uh, being born again. We talk about asking Jesus Christ into your heart. What does it really mean to be saved? It means that you make a decision to stop following yourself, to stop following your sin, but to acknowledge your sin, repent of your sin, and turn and follow Jesus. That's simply what it means to be born again. That you trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you begin a personal relationship with God. And when Jesus says, follow me, he is inviting people into that relationship. You see, John's two disciples who left John the Baptist and went with Christ were the first two that decided to follow Jesus, and one of them's Andrew. He went and got Peter, and Peter decided to follow Jesus. And then Jesus comes to Philip. He says, Philip, follow me, and Philip decides to follow Jesus. You know, in this moment, if you would have come up to Jesus as he was traveling, you said, Jesus, who's your one? He would have said, I'm praying for Philip. I'm praying for Philip. And I'm gonna have a conversation with him. And I'm gonna invite him to follow me. And that's exactly 
what he did. Philip, in this moment, was Jesus' one. And then Philip became a follower of Jesus and one of the 12 apostles. We have a little bit of history about Philip's life and what he did and how he served, but we don't know a ton about Philip. But what we do know is that Philip immediately goes to his friend Nathaniel. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote. Now don't fly over this. When we talk about the Old Testament, we talk about those books in the Old Testament that were written, they're all written pointing to a coming Messiah. Philip is saying to Nathaniel, that Messiah, that person that they're pointing to, that thing that all those prophecies are about is Jesus. And we have found him. And Nathaniel makes a snarky comment. You see, Nathaniel was a skeptic. Nathaniel was somebody who was like, prove it. You, you got to map this one out for me. I'm not just going to take this on blind faith. And Philip's argument to the skeptic was a one of action. Come and see. Now, I don't know who the Lord is bringing into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit. You may have someone who's very open to talking to you about God, but you may have someone who is very closed. And you say, Pastor Josh, every time I pray for my one, the Lord brings me the name of my so-and-so. And I have known them for my entire life. And every time I bring up God with them, they shut it down, or they make fun of me, or they don't want anything to do with it. Listen, don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop investing and don't stop inviting because when God shows himself to them, they will turn from a skeptic into a follower and you will see the miraculous work of God in their heart and soul. You see, it's not your words that saves anybody. It's not your invitation that saves anybody. It's the moving of the Holy Spirit. You're just the instruments that he moves through. And so even skeptics, Come to Christ. Philip says to his friend, the skeptic, come and see. Come and see. And in that moment, Philip's one was Nathaniel. Philip's one who he cared about and who he loved and who he wanted to know Jesus was Nathaniel. This process was repeated over the course of the next few days and Jesus began calling to himself what's become known as the 12 apostles or the 12 disciples of Jesus. And they have a powerful impact in the story of Christianity. And when Jesus ascends into heaven, these 12 traverse the globe and they begin to start this thing called the church and they are used in a mighty and a powerful way for God. And every single one of them, except for John, dies an early death of a martyr in the name of Jesus because they're spreading the gospel, including Nathaniel the skeptic. Nathaniel is credited as going to a region of the world that we now call India. And he takes the gospel to that, to that region of the world. And the gospel took root in early Christianity. And we find all kinds of fruit of Christianity taking some spread there in that part of the world because Nathaniel went that direction and gave his life to Jesus and ultimately gave his life for Jesus. You see, these 12 disciples who were at one time, somebody's one, whether they were Jesus' one or Andrew's one or Philip's one, then went on to do something incredible and they built the church. And the reason they built the church was not so that all the Christians in the world could be comfortable. It was not so that all the Christians in the world could have a place where we could kind of just hang out and do our thing. 
They didn't invent the church so that we could build nice buildings that were fancy and, and pretty. They didn't invent the church for political gain or personal glory. They invented the church for one reason, and that was making more disciples. The church exists so that we as a group can go into the world and shine a light for Christ. What's brighter than one light? You know the answer to the question, right? Two lights. What's brighter than two lights? You ready for it? Three lights. What's brighter than three lights? Four of them. We could go on. But you get the gist. We are better together. We are stronger together. We are, ready for this? Brighter together. And together we are the light of the earth. We are the salt of the world. And we shine our light into the darkness because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to build the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Our job is to kick down those gates and to save people from hell's grasp. And we get to do it together. Tonight, I want you to think of your church as a team. And don't ever forget this picture or this metaphor. Because this displays what the church is about. We are a team that's on mission together. We have a purpose. We're being coached. We practice and we get out on the field and we do what it is we've been asked to do on that field and we do it together and everyone plays their part and everyone gives their all and everyone goes for the goal. And the mission of the church is the salvation of souls. And we get to do this together. You are not alone in your pursuit of one. You are not by yourself You don't have to go it alone. We are here for each other. And we as a church over the course of this next year make a lot of commitments to you. And we make this commitment as a church, Branch Life Church, as the leadership of this church, that we will provide repeated opportunities for everyone to hear and respond to the gospel. Did you catch that? We're gonna provide repeated opportunities for everyone, your one, to hear and respond to the gospel. For everyone in Pottstown to hear and respond to the gospel. For everyone in Berks, Chester, and Montgomery County to hear and respond to the gospel. Yes, it's gonna be available on Sunday nights, but it's gonna be broader than that. When they come to your group, they can hear and respond to the gospel. When you open your home, they can hear and respond to the gospel. When they listen to the podcast, they can hear and respond to the gospel. When they watch the YouTube video, they can hear and respond to the gospel. When they come to a a New Year's Eve service, they can hear and respond to the gospel. So that you know you don't have to do this alone. You may be able to sit down tomorrow with your one and invite them to Christ in the quietness of a living room, in a a car ride or during a walk. And that would be awesome. That would be fantastic. We want to celebrate that. We want to encourage that. But we also want you to know that we are here for you. And that you can just simply bring your one and we will share the gospel with them. You may need to tag team. You may need to say, I've had this conversation 20 times. Pastor Josh, you're in. I'll go, high five. I'm going to go have the conversation. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them about it. If they don't want to talk to the pastor, they can talk to someone in your group. 
They can talk to your spouse. They can talk to your kids. We're in a team together. And so I want you to think about a couple of commitments you can make as a team player, as someone who's about this mission over the course of this next year. Commitment number one, would you make the commitment to always be an active part of a disciple-making church? Would you make the commitment to always be a part of a disciple-making church? There are a lot of, I'll use air quote, churches out there. There are not a lot of disciple-making churches. And my wife and I, several years ago, made this commitment together that for the rest of our lives, we will always be actively involved in a disciple-making church. God took that commitment and he said, hey, I've got something for you in Pottstown. And so we're here to help build a disciple-making church. We want to strengthen people's connection to Christ so that we can reach our world. And if this church ever stops being a disciple-making church, get out and go find one or start one and build one together. But don't ever disconnect yourself from the team. Commitment number two, to always be a part of a disciple-making group. When church is big and massive, it's easy to get lost in the crowd. But when you find yourself with a smaller group where you can pray together, where you can share names together, where you can lean on one another, even just this last week, uh, 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 Jeffrey and Tabitha Clode, Jeffrey had emergency surgery this week. He lost one of his toes and he's got a few weeks of recovery. Guess, guess who was all over loving the clothes? Their group. Took care of the boys checked in on him regularly, was praying through text message, had, had conversations back and forth, hospital visits. Man, that's what, that's what it is about being a part of a group. And now, as the clothes are in recovery mode, right, as they're going through this difficult season, they also have opportunity to share Christ in a, in a way that they didn't have two weeks ago. And their group's right there with them. That's the advantage of, of being in this together. And lots of teams are broken up into groups. You got the defense, you got the offense, you got the return, you got the special teams, and you got the kicking team, right? Let's do groups. And maybe it's not a formal group. Maybe, you, maybe that's not the season for you right now, although we want to encourage you to get there. But when you serve on a ministry team like the worship team, that's a group. When you serve on a host team, that's a group. There's all kinds of ways to be involved in groups when you're at Branch Life Church or at any disciple-making church. But make a commitment to be involved and to have a group around you, and make a commitment to always be a part of personal disciple-making. Don't ever take a vacation. Don't ever take a time off. Don't ever take a time out. Don't ever take a rest break from this. We don't have time. It's too important, and the ones are too important out there. This is the mission that God has called you on, and no matter what season of life you're in, God says, trust in me. Go make disciples. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste your cancer. Don't waste your hurt. Don't waste your stress. Take all of these things as unique opportunities from God to share the gospel with other people in a way that you might not have been able to share otherwise. Let's be about it. Let's care about the conversations we should be having. You know, if you, over the course of this next year, have a chance to lead someone to the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to celebrate that. So on your cards, there's a place where you can say, each week, today I shared the gospel with, or I led somebody. We don't even need to know their name. I led someone to Christ. We want to celebrate that. Just last week, one of you came up to me after the service and said, I got to lead my friend to Jesus. We cheered. We celebrated. We hugged. It was awesome. They're not coming to Branch Life because they live states away. That's okay. It's a victory for the kingdom, right? Let's always be a part of personal disciple making. 
a guy who's pretty familiar with leading teams, also happens to be a strong Christian, Carson Wentz. In his first year with the Eagles, Carson Wentz, yeah, he got hurt, but he also was involved in many of his own teammates coming to Christ. As a matter of fact, there's a pretty famous picture of them standing in a hotel pool, baptizing one of the other eagles in the pool because they had decided to become a follower of Jesus. There's kind of a mini revival in the eagle kingdom because Carson decided to come in and he decided to share Christ on a regular basis. Sharing at a church, Carson gave this outline. How do we live our lives for the audience of one? Number one, we pray to win. Pray first, pray for souls to come to Jesus. Number two, we find the right teammates. It's super important to gather people around you who can help you on this mission of life and reaching people. And number three, we leave it all on the field. Let's go out and get them. Let's be busy with the work that God has called us to do. Who is your one? In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15 and, and jumping around to chapter 3, it basically sums up this way. You are God's fragrance. You are God's letters. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. You yourselves are the letter of recommendation written on your hearts to be known and read by God. Why doesn't God just show up in the clouds and say, hey, everybody get saved? Why doesn't he just send a bunch of angels to hand out tracts around the world? Because God chose you to be his aroma. God chose you to be his letter. And we get to live it out. In 2019, we want, I want to give you this challenge. There's not a lot of time left in 2019, all right? So hold on to this. It's a three-part challenge. Part one, number one, invite one to lunch or coffee and share your story. In the next two months, invite one person to lunch or coffee and share your story. Hey, you want to grab some coffee? There's something I wanted to talk to you about. Sure, yeah, we can grab some coffee. Maybe it's a coworker and you have lunch together anyway all the time. You've been sharing a booth with them all the time. And you say, hey, I, we've been friends for a long time. I don't know if I ever told you about when I got saved. Can I tell you that story? And no matter if you think it's the most boring story in the world, I challenge you to tell it. And then just say, ah, that's it. I just want to share it with you. Have you, have you ever had a story like that? Or you can, how, however the spirit leads. That's just the challenge. Just tell your story. The gospel is powerful, but the gospel is lived out in you. It's lived out in your story. You're the aroma. You're the letter. Part two. Second, invite one family to your home and share your family story. Assign one of your teenagers to tell their story. They're going to love that, right? It's your, you're up. And you're sitting around the table and you say, hey, I don't know if you ever, we ever told you our stories. Just a couple of years ago, this guy got saved. And, and tell them about it. And then they get to tell their story. I could have Delaney talked about uh, her salvation. And when she called, uh, called me on the phone while I was traveling down to South America to say that she accepted Jesus Christ. And then she could tell about the time she got baptized in a swimming pool. And a lot of you guys were there. And Pastor Scott did a belly flop, sort of. But share your story. Challenge number three is bring one unchurched friend or family to church or group or Christmas Eve service, whatever's most appropriate for your relationship. But just bring them. Say, come and see. We're going to be teaching you over the course of this next year this really simple conversation tool. And there's going to be other tools. There's lots of ways to present the gospel. This is a pretty cool one. 
So if you want to stay after the service for 10 minutes, Scott and Alex will talk to you back in that back corner, and you can hear a little bit more about what this is. But it's just a simple way to talk to people and give them the gospel and basically start with this idea that the design is not brokenness, the design is not cancer, the design is not death. God created this world to be perfect, but it was broken by sin. And because of sin, because of the sin of mankind, we're in a broken world and bad things happen like divorce. Bad things happen like accidents, like earthquakes. And God doesn't like those things and you don't like those things and I don't like those things. But there's a promise in the Bible about about victory over brokenness. And if we repent of our personal sin and we believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we we can be given righteousness. Our sins can be forgiven. We can be taken away because Jesus died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he died for you. He loved you. He was thinking of you. He died for your sin. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. He took our place on the cross for us. And then he said, all we have to do in order to get saved is to believe in him, to accept the gift of salvation. Because we're saved by, by faith, through grace, not of works. You see, there's nothing that you can do to get saved. There's nothing, no good that you can accomplish. There's no amount of times you can go to church. Only by believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ can you be saved. Have you ever put your personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Could I ask you this? What's stopping you from following Jesus? Why, Why wouldn't you do that? And I want to just invite you to into a personal relationship with God. And it's as simple as praying a prayer or making a decision. You can do it right here, right now, in this spot and in this moment. You can just bow your head and say to God, God, I, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And I repent of my sin and I accept Jesus into my life. I want to become a follower of God. I want to become a child of God. Will you save me? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved, even if you're doing that right here in this moment. And Christian, you can invite any one of your friends to do that in any moment of any day. In John chapter 1, through the rest of the story, Nathaniel then comes toward Jesus, and, and Jesus has this conversation, and whatever happened, Nathaniel became convinced about what he saw and ultimately Nathaniel says you are the son of God you are the king of Israel I am now a follower of Jesus and Nathaniel says Jesus says to Nathaniel well if this has convinced you just wait just wait you will see greater things than these truly truly I say unto you you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the throne of man and if you're here tonight and you're a follower of Jesus I want to just encourage you with this you will see greater things When you commit to following the mission of God and to being a disciple of Jesus, you will see greater things. Yes, you can pursue a better life for yourself. Yes, you can pursue a nicer house and a bigger income. Yes, you can go after uh, 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 all kinds of hobbies and all kinds of entertainment, but the greater thing is following Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, you will see greater things. And there is no greater thing to see than someone in your life make a personal profession to follow Jesus. There is no greater moment to be a part of. And I apologize to my wife because that wedding thing was an incredible moment. But something even better than that, that lasts for all eternity. I apologize to my kids because when they were born, that was a pretty special moment. It was traumatizing, but it was special. And all of a sudden you got these kids, right? 
and they're yours. There's a greater moment than that every time you get to be a part of someone's eternity changing. And what do you want? Do you want a closer relationship with Jesus? Do you want to be a powerful witness for God? Do you want to help build a church that will transform a region in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by his grace and in his power? What do you want for your spiritual life? Do you want to know the scriptures more and deeper? Do you want to be able to study them and read them? Do you want to be someone who's able to have a powerful prayer life? If you want those things, I want those things for you. Now, how do you get them? I want to quote Zig Ziglar when he says, you get everything you want in life when you help enough other people do what they want. Listen, if you want a deeper relationship with Jesus, help someone else deepen their relationship with Jesus. If you want to know the Bible more, help someone else know the Bible more. If you want to pray in a a more powerful way, help someone else pray in a powerful way. When you reach people for Jesus, you will grow in your personal relationship with God. I guarantee it. Are you stalled in your spiritual growth? Would you consider yourself a mature disciple of Christ? Mature disciple of Christ are on mission and they multiply. So let's take this step and let's do it together and let's help other people connect with Christ and your connection with Christ will grow. You don't have to be great to start but you do have to start to be great. You might be in here going, I don't know. I don't know if I can explain the gospel. You did the three circle thing so good and I can't do that. I don't know the references. I get nervous when I talk. Listen, you don't have to be great to start. Just start. Just have the conversation. Mr. Kimball fumbled through it and Dwight L. Moody got saved. Do the invitation. Put people together for a conversation. Just start. Write the letter. Send the email. Send the text. Make the post. Just start. And see what God does when you obey him in being on mission. I want to ask you to fill out these cards. And when Pastor Scott comes out at the end, we'll hand these in. If you're a guest with us, please please take the time to fill this out and we love to t- have the record of your attendance. And for regular attenders, here's some things. Remember I said, would you be willing to commit to a few things? Go ahead and write those commitments out on the card and we'll pray over them for you. Being a part of a disciple-making church, being a part of a group, being a part of personal discipleship. In 2019, will you do coffee? Will you have friends over? In 2019, will you invite someone to an event or to a church service or to a group? And then if you haven't answered the question yet, who's your one? And let us know. And again, it doesn't have to be just one. But who's your one that you're praying for, that you're investing in, and that you're inviting? And and look at this follow-up question. What will you do for your one this week? It might be prayer, but can I encourage you to take an action step? A simple action step. Maybe you bless them. Maybe you visit them. Maybe you write to them. Maybe you invite them to Christ. But what action could you take? Prayerfully consider this. And then when we call for the ushers at the end of the service, go ahead and hand those in. We got more to say, and we want to inspire you with this. So uh, tomorrow night at 9 o'clock, we're going to jump on live, and we're going to talk about five people you never heard of that changed the world and how you can change the world too. And it's going to be an awesome time of conversation together. Let me pray over you as you continue to fill out these cards, and then we'll close with a song. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together. We thank you for your word how it's encouraging to us, how it gives us the example of Jesus and his one, and then those that followed him just immediately started reaching other people for God and help us to be a church that's good at this. 
Help us to be a church that's regularly reaching people for Jesus and help everyone who's a part of Branch Life to have the blessing and opportunity to reach at least one person for Christ this next year, if not more. Help us to be faithful in this call, God, to be on mission. And Lord, as we prayerfully seek you, we know that Satan's gonna attack, so we pray for protection. God, we pray for unity. God, we pray that, uh, Lord, you would Help us as, as we overcome discouragement and trial and difficulty and help us, God, to stay focused on, on the path that you have for us and help us to grow closer to you like we ever have before as we help other people grow closer to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed as you keep considering these things, maybe today you're here and again, you're not sure if you're a follower of Jesus. Tonight, you can make sure to simply have that conversation with God. Tell him you're in, that you wanna follow him. And please, if you do that, let us know on the card and we, we want to get a hold of you confidentially and give you a gift. And if you have any questions or if you have any concerns or, or you're, you really need to pray over somebody or pray over something after the service, there's going to be some prayer counselors here in the front and they would love to pray with you for any reason. If you, if you want to pray for salvation or if you want to pray for this next week, we'll cover you in prayer. If you need healing or someone you know needs healing, we'll cover that in prayer. And we want to be a, a people that pray. So, so, so don't, don't go past that when we dismiss. Come up and pray with someone. If you have any questions, the pastors will be floating around or the person that brought you. We'd love to answer those questions. And Christian, keep this before the Lord. Maybe last week you made the commitment to pray every day in November. If, if you didn't make that last week, make it this week and jump in. If you need reminders, we're sending stuff out most days on Instagram. But let's pray first and ask God to do an incredible work in 2020. God, in your precious and holy name we pray, amen.